but like people turn to sex for almost um like it's an activity they'll use to mask like yeah. say if they have depression or if sure. they you know have underlying um underlying mental illness or i don't know like it's sure. it's a coping mechanism and i kind of feel brian is starting to i'm starting to see signs of that Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad-free? Head on over to our Patreon where I'm giving you all seven days of a free trial. So patreon.com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And if you join the ITBR professor level, which you'll see gets you access to all of our rewatch podcast series like Queer as Folk and Smash, and all of our Teaches series, including when we rewatched Scream with you all, when we discussed The Exorcist. We're about to do a Britney Spears memoir episode. So, oh, and The Fall of the House of Usher is coming up. You also get access to both book clubs. And while you're at it, while you're joining our Patreon, where you're getting your seven days for free, I would really love if you... Make sure you like and follow us on Apple or Spotify, and please leave a review. It really does help us in terms of advertisers and sponsors. Thank you all for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Network, and it is just wonderful to be part of this arts and culture organization and have you all out there reach out to me. So again, remember, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And we have a Facebook and we're on X as well. Enjoy this episode, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and welcome back to ITBR Rewatches Queer as Folk. So previously, I had author Scott Alexander Hess on, and we talked about The Art of Desperation, episode six. And we left off with Jennifer, Justin's mother, finding out about his sexual connection with Brian because she had seen all of these nude paintings of Brian and like made the connection when she saw him at the art party. Uh, so we kind of carry that over into episode seven, but now with Justin's father, which is a really interesting narrative. And I forgot about all the drama that happens with him. Uh, but our episode is called Smells Like Codependence. Well, that's probably my favorite one so far. Okay. I guess Smells Like Teen Spirit. I see what they're doing there. Uh, so I'm joined with a special guest co-host friend of mine who we first met each other on social media, but probably, I don't know, in the spring. It feels like that. But yeah. then we were on our friend Christian Garcia's That All Gay Classic Cinema podcast to talk about all things um, Vertigo. So you can hear that episode. I'm joined with Dr. Travis A. Roundtree, uh, who is an assistant professor in the English department at Western Carolina University. He um, looks at 
Well, wait, I'm reading his bio. Yeah, he um, went to um, Appalachian State University for his MA in English. Then the, he got his PhD at the University of Louisville. He has a certificate in Appalachian Studies, which is very interesting. He also works on queer archival research, pedagogy, public memory studies. He's a diehard Dolly Parton fan. And first, I'll have to ask him about Dollywood because I miss that place. Um, he loves running, weightlifting, gardening. Basically, I'm reading this as if it's a dating profile for you, Travis. So <laughs> thanks. thanks. I, I think you're that. still I think you're still single. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ish. I'm not making a judgment because I was single <laughs> for I was single for seven years. Um yeah. of my own choosing. But Oh, he also loves bluegrass and country music. And he lives in North Carolina with his two cats. So, you know, you're going to have to compete with the feline friends. Uh, <laughs> so, Travis, welcome to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's great to be back. Yeah. So now that I just read off your Tinder profile, I do feel like your <laughs> southernness will come out when we get into this log cabin scene. I was like, <laughs> this is Travis. This is some Travis's alley. It was giving me very uh, country vibes. Um, yeah. But, well, update us all about Dollywood. Were you there for their, like, queer day? Don't they have a queer day? No. I don't know. I was, uh, so my parents got me a season pass. Oh. And uh, so I haven't been. Like, they got it for me last Christmas, and I just haven't been. Like, they have the water park and all that stuff. <clears throat> so they have all their pumpkins, like, fall stuff set up out there. And so I wanted to see that. And I'm definitely going to go before Christmas, too, because I mean, just Christmas, love Christmas. Like, I'm crazy about it. Um, I literally have like seven trees in my house and I live by myself. So, yeah. Oh, so I, Christmas a, is your more of your favorite than Halloween. Yeah, yeah. But October, like basically through about like October through like the beginning of March, it's like I'm my like fullest self. It's decoration season. Trees are coming out. Witches are coming out. Skeletons out of the closet. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I love uh, I love like the fall and the winter are my favorite season. So, and I have this theory that we don't really have any hard hitting summer holiday because people are too lazy since they want to be outside. That's like my personal theory. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like the Fourth of July, but nobody really come on. I mean, that's even... but it's all outside things, right? Fireworks. Um, I mean, Halloween's outside technically used to yeah. be. But trick-or-treating rules are now so different and like you have two hours. Things are, things have changed. Um, they tree. even, you would laugh at this, it, on Long Island, they're um, spreading propaganda that people are going to give out edibles to their to the children. And I'm like, who in their right mind would pay $50 to give out edibles to children? Like, come on, people. Are you that That's gullible? That's so funny. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I'd go trick-or-treating then. No, no. Yeah. Well, like growing up, didn't you have that myth that there were gonna be razor oh, yeah. blades in an apple? And I'm like, first, who's giving if someone gave me an apple, I'd be like, no, I'm good. Like, <laughs> like give me but, that Snickers bar. Yeah, but when my when my mom was on the podcast for a haunting in Venice, which don't mm -hmm. run and see that movie, in my opinion. <laughs> There's a <laughs> lot of other. I recommend American Horror Story Coven rewatching that. Or oh, yeah. even Lisa Rinna in the new American Horror Stories. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, she, like, plays this fashion magazine director. And she's, like, right up. Oh. 
a character's alley. It's called Tapeworm. So it's about a model who puts a tapeworm. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh my God. Somebody was telling me about that last night. It was like crazy. Yeah, and I loved it because I'm like, wow, that's where American Horror Story, when it hits its stride, it hits its stride. And I'm like, when it fails, it really can be felt. Like this new season, it's not even the acting. It's just, I don't know what's happening in the storyline. But yeah, you have to. What did you see the one before this one about um, um, Fire Island? Did you watch much of that one? Oh, I have to watch more of it. I only like finished the first. I'm rewatching Coven now because now I'm addicted. I forgot how much I liked it. Oh, good. It's so good. I mean, it was beginning seasons. I mean, oh, yes. And it's like, I say that it's like queer as folk, right? I have a transition here, but it, (laughs) you know, has that element of. Um, an ensemble who really works together. Like, mm-hmm. I always think a good TV show is one where you feel like you're in the theater with them and they're on stage. Yes. Like, that's how Coven yep. feels. That's how <clears throat> Queer's Folk feels. That's how Sex in the City felt. Um, you know, and just like that is jumbled. Like, I feel people don't really fit in together. Um, and they keep trying to avoid Samantha, but like, you really can't do that series without Samantha. So maybe you should have not done the series. I don't know. But again, you want to get paid. I get it. Um, oh, wait, back to Dollywood. I am just curious, though. Like, what was your what's the temperature like, you know, in the South? So it's been hot <clears throat> actually here. It was like in the 80s, like almost in the 80s over the weekend. And um, but it's like tomorrow is supposed to be it's I think either tomorrow or tonight it's supposed to be like a low of 28. So it's like going back to fall like real quick. So <clears throat> it's just fluctuated like so crazily. But um, wait, a low of 28. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I know, right? <laughs> it's not even that cold here. It's like 60 to, right now on Long Island. Well, I wow. can tell the front coming through all the there's a big wind coming through and all that stuff. So it's uh, so I didn't we'll know see. it gets that cold. I mean, I'm in the mountains, but oh, it you're in the mountains. Okay. Yeah, here it's not like um, kind of fun fact, Silva and Cullowee, like where I live in Western North Carolina, it doesn't get as bad. Like the Cherokee actually lived here, like to avoid the winter, the bad, harsh winters, like in places like Boone, North Carolina. And that's like more going towards east. So um, that's where Appalachian State is, too. I lived there for nine years. And that was like snow on the ground from October to like Easter. Like there was snow on the ground all the time. Yeah. See, that's not the part of North Carolina I know. I know where my relatives live, which is like Southern Pines, Mm -hmm. all the golf like courses, Fayetteville area. I know that area. But that, I think, is more warmer weather, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You're not in the mountains. No, 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 no. But it's I love it here. It's just... You know, totally home. I, I bought a house. I live like right downtown. I can walk to everything. We have like four breweries. Like, oh, no. you know, yeah, shop. your downtown looks really cute. It's know? really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. little plug here too. Actually, we're hosting the um. Also, the I'm also the president of the Appalachian Studies Association, and we're hosting our conference here in March seventh through the ninth. And uh, oh, it's a great okay. conference. Yeah, I, it's it should be. I'm super excited. It's going to be awesome. So yeah. Well, and. Just because I see it with your posts a lot, and this connects to the vibrancy of the queer as folk community, how do you feel with like visibility in Silva of the queer community? Like, what's that feeling on the streets? Yeah, like, are there so, flags? Um, so it's kind of it's actually changed a lot since I've been I've been here for five years now. 
Um, and it was starting to change before I got here, but I think like, especially during the pandemic, um, and we had like some, you know, we, we have a Confederate monument here and boycotted that and it, it's stayed, they voted to keep it, but, um, and, and like put a label name on it. I don't know. Anyway, um, the scene here, like I helped with the community of, um, a group of folks here in town. I helped start our first pride festival here and it's been great. This is our third year. I'm finally stepping down his chair because I just can't do all the things. And, um, but it's really, it's awesome. Like, so we're West of Asheville, which is like, has yeah. been queer forever and known as like a LGBTQ spot. But here we have like, you know, civil pride is here. There's a, um, another group called cornbread and roses that does, um, like uh food pantry work, like therapy, group therapy, like sober game nights. They're really, really cool. Um, pride, we do more like events. Um, so we'll do like a medical event and we did like a, <laughs> my friend Bergen called it feeding the queer spirit. So it was like a bunch of like churches that came. And so it's been really, uh, really great. Honestly, like I'm, I feel very comfortable here, but you know, I'm a white gay man. Like I'm not speaking for others. So, um, but yeah, I feel like when I moved here, <laughs> I shot up like a little bat signal that was a big gay rainbow in the sky and everybody just started moving here. <laughs> yeah 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 but it so. seems very artsy i mean is it similar to um where dollywood is i mean because i was in pigeon forge but that's like a very touristy doesn't really like i don't know what the local scene is like yeah here it's much more like small town almost like a hallmarky kind mm -hmm. i mean it's a small town like everybody kind of knows everybody you learn to you know see everybody it's like election season now of course and so signs are in everybody's yards and um yeah pigeon forge and Gat gatlinburg especially is like the myrtle beach of tennessee <laughs> i feel like uh it's still fun if that's your thing you know and dollywood is i love it but um you know it's it, there's some cool spots there but it's just a little yeah. too twisty for me yeah wait did they actually though ever announce a like Disney has like their gay Disney, but I know like Dollywood, it's kind of under um, it's hidden. Like it's not really a publicized event. Yeah, I had I would be I would not be surprised if there was some sort of coordinated like queer day at Dollywood. Um, I know that she's pretty open about have, being an ally and stuff like that. And it's oh, there yeah. on occasions. But I don't know if there's like an organized like sort of day. I don't know. They must do. I'm sure they do theme days. I should know, but I don't. I have yeah. to read that book. There's a book called oh. Gone Dollywood that I have to read. Oh, so. okay. There you go. That's a reminder for you. But it reminds yes. me of like why I love Dolly is like even during the Black Lives Matter movement that, right. And I guess you could say like, it's not, it's an ongoing movement that she said something like, you know, white like, why should my little white ass take up all the space? And why can't we listen to those, you know, who are different than us? And we need to hear, you know, how to support them or some. She's just such a supportive yes. person. But I think it's like yeah. a long statement. And at one point she said, you think our little white asses matter or something? Like that. And it's like, mm -hmm. Dang, so yeah, yeah, yeah. getting I mean, she's becoming more vocal especially like with the new rock and roll album, like the song she wrote on there, World on Fire, like she goes oh, after yeah. people now, like she doesn't play. So, yeah. well, um, and don't you think for the longest time she was kind of being pressured by just like Taylor Swift, mm -hmm. like not to speak out politically because 
they're nervous of their cons- like a conservative country fan base. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think that's why she has Kid Rock on her new album. <laughs> to be honest, you know, I mean, she's trying to play both sides, but yeah. uh, also at the same time, um, yeah, it's just you know, I, I think she'll she'll come out on top no matter what. Like you know, she knows how to play. She's been in the game long enough than anybody. I know exactly oh, yeah. like what to do and how to play it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, wait, and aren't you working on a Dolly Parton like article book? I thought you were doing something, Travis. My next project is going to be about Dolly. And I think that's all I can say about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> I need to quit running my freaking mouth about it, but I'll let you, I'll let you know off camera. Um, okay. okay. It's, hopefully it will be with the, my other book is with University of Kentucky Press and they're so great and they were awesome to work with. So I hope to work with them again. Um, just incredible just an incredible press incredible like support you know um so it was it was a lot of fun it was a great experience yeah well and i'm kind of wearing my like i didn't even coordinate this but my flannelly you know gay country (laughs) aesthetic here um but i did want to ask you okay so thank you for like bringing the audience into what it's like with travis's environment in (laughs) north carolina um do you like re-watching queer as folk um, you know, do you connect to their, I mean, I know it's supposed to be Pittsburgh, but like it, I keep every time I do this with a guest, like none of it really feels like Pittsburgh. I mean, it kind of just feels like any metropolitan, um, heightened idyllic fantasy of what a gay community looks like. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes me, it makes me feel like it's more Philadelphia. Like that's where I grew up. Like it's not as large as New York City, um, but it was also filmed in Toronto. So I think it does have that like, you know, it has that Toronto feel of like, it's not yeah. a specific American city, but it's a general city. Sure. Um, I, I agree with you. I think that the feel for that, it does feel a little like, I didn't grow up in Philly, but I actually was there for, for Pride this year and been there a couple of times. And it does have that feel, but it's interesting too, because at least from what I, so I watched the whole series like years ago, not when it was actually on TV. Like I think I actually got them from the library. This was like way back during my first boyfriend, <laughs> during my first relationship. Uh, but we watched the whole thing. And what I loved about it too, is like, so it does have that sort of small town feelish, but they're in a big city, but also all the characters, like you see the same characters and like, I know I've told you this before, but like, I just felt like, like, I felt like they were my friends. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we see their characters develop so much and in so many ways and some better than others and some not. So um, I I found that really great about the show. And that's just good writing as well, too, when you have that feel like you were saying about Coven, you know, like you just feel like you're, you know, them like your friends, you know, mm-hmm. like Brian's such an asshole. Like he's terrible. Like he's such a Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And when I'm not here on the podcast, I am consulting with small businesses, undergraduate students, graduate students, podcasters, and those in media. So if you're curious about the work that I've done with my consultation services, you could just type me in on Google, Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and you'll see a few reviews pop up. I've worked on college admission essays for undergraduate students. I've revamped and 
expanded a small business's social media marketing campaign right here in Port Jefferson, New York. And I've also worked on a graduate student's thesis for her physician assistant program. So if you want to seek me out or inquire about my consultation services, just email me. That's the easiest way to reach me at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. That's easy to remember. And tis the season for college admission essays, both undergraduate and graduate, thesis writing, dissertation writing. Um, do you want to create a podcast and you don't know where to begin? Media work, um, how to open a TikTok, how to start creating videos on TikTok, what to do with your Instagram, all of that I have done. So just reach out to me. Also, I'm really excited to announce that the December book club choice is Britney Spears's The Woman in Me memoir. So to join the book club, head to ivorytowerboilerroom.com and go to events and you're going to see a form there just so I know how many of you are joining the book club. And that way I can reach out to each of your email addresses and poll all of you to see what date at the end of December works. It's going to be the week after Christmas. So don't worry, it's not going to be the week of Christmas. That would be hectic. And then I'll let you all know how to join the book club, which happens on Patreon. You just join under the ITBR book club section. So can't wait to see who wants to discuss Britney Spears. We have a lot to dissect there. And in the also, if you want to join the Wicked Broadway Musical group event, which is happening in March, head to that event section on the website and fill out that Google form by December 1st. Ah, so much happening here in the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And I love this community. I love being the host and director of this arts and culture organization. Thank you all for supporting me. It means so much. And please spread the word for my consultation services for the podcast, the book club, the Broadway musical, group event, all the things. And without further ado, Here's today's episode. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. Well, you know, I'm just curious when you were watching it with yeah. your ex-boyfriend, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
20 years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, so like, was that an, did it bring you closer together? Like to see all of these male lives? Like, was it a nice, um, conversation starter like all of these storylines yeah we were so we were living in boone at the time and um boone is now it's a pretty thriving big town because of app state's football team and a lot of different reasons um the growth of Asheville is pushing out onto boone too um but when i was there when when my first boyfriend and i watched it i mean there was like very few gay people in boone and so this was sort of our solace of like like, this is our little, you know, we had to go to Asheville to go to the gay bar. Like, it was an hour and some change away. And so this is like our sort of little taste of, of queer life. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think in certain ways we all kind of, actually, his name was Justin, too. And he looked kind of similar to that Justin, to the young Justin in the film or in the uh, show. Um, but I think we associated with ourselves in certain ways with certain characters, too, which was funny, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was that's kind of it was like it was like a sort of queer solace for us honestly um, yeah RuPaul had just started like when we started watching that drag race started sort of getting popular it was in the I don't know second or third season and uh so that was really kind of interesting too yeah so like do you connect to in this episode we get all of the local haunts like we get the diner we get um Actually, I don't think we get the gym in this episode. Uh -huh. I'm trying to remember. Usually oh. the gym is in. No, wait. No, we I get the we... club. We don't get the gym. No, we get Babylon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But like, do you have those kinds of amenities near you? Like, do you have um, like, do you have the gym that has all the amenities? Like, I mean, I do, but it's not at all like that queer scene. I mean, yeah. Yeah. like, that's where I feel like even in Manhattan, like you might have a lot of gay men at a gym, but it's never, I don't think it's to that extent unless you like go to a bathhouse or something. Yeah. Or like a gym that's, I'm thinking like in, you know, P-Town or Key West or somewhere like that. Mm -hmm. Like I could imagine that being like that. No, I don't have that here. And to answer your question, I have the, I go to the school gym and like, I see some of my students, which people freak out when they say, I'm like, I'm staying in shape. Like I'm not, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, I'm not having conversations with them in the locker room, but like, you know, it's good to see, it's good to show them that like I'm 41 years old. I'm gonna keep working out. Like I'm gonna keep my body good. You know, so um, yeah. And other spots, I guess like that. It, it's funny because when I I lived in Louisville for four years, like you mentioned earlier, um, and there's a place there called Play that was like the local gay bar. The original one was Connection that was there and that'd been there forever for like a long time. That closed down when I was there, and then there was Play. And they would do like the foam parties and all the, you know, all that stuff. So I could associate with that. Uh, I don't even think I really went to one of those because, yeah, it seems really sticky. And you didn't mess. go to studs and suds. <laughs> I loved, I mean, it did seem really bacteria ridden. I'm like, this Emmett, like, what are you doing in this scene? <laughs> I mean, I love a good theme party. I love a good Halloween party. Yeah. I love, my fire island kind of environment but yes. like at least with fire island like you can run into the water like there's never anything that messy um but yeah i did want to ask like do you feel that these men are like northern gay men like compared to the southern gay male scene like is there a difference in your opinion 
I mean, it really depends too. I mean, you like you can't you can essentialize some things about the South, but not all of it. So that like the scene, the gar the um, Babylon scene, could be a gay bar in, in Atlanta, like very <laughs> easy, right? Um, I don't know if you've have you, have you been to Atlanta and been to some of those. Yeah, venues? but never in like the capacity of being in. Like seeing, I saw some gay bars by the park. I think, yeah, uh-huh. like Piedmont, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, it's that felt that feels very much similar to me. The other thing, I mean, I've been to different, like you know, the ones in Richmond, Virginia, where I grew up. I've been to a couple times. The ones in Cincinnati, which is actually not technically the South, but there's a lot of Appalachian folks in Cincinnati. So they had one bar called Shooters that was like literally under a bridge. <laughs> And it was like very oh. cowboy themed and, and there was a cowboy themed bar in Louisville too. And um, so I guess like the aesthetic of places would be different, but they were like divey bars. Like, yeah, they they could use with a, a phone party to like clean it up a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, do but you think fun. though, like even Louisville, do you think mm-hmm. they're more approachable the men compared to say, like what you hear about New York gay men. I mean, I feel like there's a stereotype that New York gay men are distant or like it's hard to break through the ice with them. But I have to say, like, you know, men are men, people are people. Like, I think when you let your guard down and you're living your authentic self, I kind of am not in operating in that world, like operating with those preconceptions, preconceived notions, I should say, Um, or trying to impress someone like a lot of that is impressing each other yes yes uh yeah i mean okay so a couple things like one when i when i go to provincetown you know i like love provincetown just like you love fire island like i go up there and i had this idea i mean growing up in virginia i heard the word yankee all the time right like and it was the idea that you said like it's all these people that are angry and rude and all this stuff when i went to go to massachusetts all the time i loved it the people were sometimes nicer there than they were in the south and Mm -hmm. so I find that those bars up there, I mean, you just kind of find your people wherever you go to. Um, I think I, I don't think I've told you the story, but I, when I was in um, Fort Lauderdale last spring, I went to a bar and was to talk and I had a couple of bourbons or whatever. And I, my accent falls out kind of sometimes when I talk, when I drink some. Mm-hmm. So this guy kind of settled up next to me and he was like, he's like, can I just like stand here next to you? And I was like, okay. And he said, I'm playing Blanche Devereaux when the Golden Girls play, and I just want to hear your accent so I can get right. Oh, that's so, so funny. Like, oh my God. So you were anyway. his inspiration and source material. Apparently, I, yeah. I don't know if I said that before. Wait, here. is that where Will in Manners is, Travis? Yeah, it's yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. fun. It, it, that it, looks it, like it, an idyllic place for gay men. It is. And that's probably where you could see like the gym, like what you're talking about. I, I went to kind of the same sort of places, but it was it was fun and you feel I think too, um, locations of gay bars too uh, is really interesting. And so a lot of scholars have, you probably know this too, some scholars have, have noted like mostly gay bars are located not the best neighborhoods, like, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes. So that's sort of something to consider as well too, like your own safety where you are. When you're inside the bar, you're sometimes safer than you are walking out from the bar. So, um, but yeah who said that it was a Munez. i can't remember anyway oh okay probably maybe in cruising utopia by Munez. Uh, yeah 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 uh so 
Like, that's why I love the Belvedere. Like, not only that it's clothing optional on Fire Island, but I know, and everyone wants me to go to P-Town, and I'm like, oh, maybe, okay, maybe this summer, but I need to get people to Fire Island, so. I know. If oh, I, I need to you have to come, Travis. I'm, like, going to arrange a week where, like, if I get discounts at the Belvedere, like, I'm going to arrange, like, where we all can, like, get book rooms and, like, try to have you know, a calm environment, but yeah, like a, a good time. group of gay yeah. like friends and, you know, um, yeah. So what I find though is so interesting is like when you are in a space where you feel so seen yes. is like, not only it's not just the sexual aspect. Cause I think, right. You easily could be like, Oh, everyone's horny. And it's like, no, it's not just that it's mm -hmm. beyond that. It's the networking. It's the, I want to empower and lift you up. Like, I do think some of the cattiness that people think gay men have is because mm -hmm. they're operating in a straight world and trying to assimilate. Mm -hmm. And like, if they see someone else who's gay, they might, if they're not comfortable with who they are, they're like mm -hmm. nervous that the person um, makes them have to assert themselves in like the mm -hmm. straight community. And I think mm -hmm. when you are in a place, um, like a fire island, like a P-Town, that guard just goes down. And, yeah, yes. you know, when you're in the coffee shops or you're getting ice cream or pizza, whatever it is. And, you know, I don't drink now. So, like, I see it through my mocktail eyes. And, like, I have a great time. I mean, okay. So this is all oh, fun. That's great. I can't wait for the summer. I mean, I love us going through the seasons, but I'm ready to be back. <laughs> um, when All I find that discount... Yeah, if you get a discount to P-Town, let me know because so many people keep wanting me to come and I want to go travel there. Um, uh, and it's, it's not far so from me. Yeah. No, no, it's really not, I, I don't think. I so. um, okay, so we're going to make that happen. But yeah, I did want to ask you, what do you think of like the real meat of our episode? I think we could say centers around Justin's mother telling his father that Justin's gay and like the whole parent response and like what the father decides to do. I mean, is this something that seems hyper dramatic or is this something that you could actually see playing out? I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of in the middle uh, hyper. I mean, I've heard people coming out and they're, I mean, I knew one guy in Louisville that his father came across the table and knocked him out in the floor at the dining room table and then like left. And like, so I think this is kind of like, you see the tension there. And I don't think this is an unusual thing still yet now, right? Um, and also that he comes out to his mother first and then his father has to reconcile with all of that as well too. And then, and then like angsty teenager Justin too, which I'm like, oh child, I know, just be, it's hard, like be patient. Um, but I I mean, I think it's really pretty realistic. I mean, I, you know, I my both of my like they say what do you when you come out your parents go in the closet or something like that if you've heard that um you know when I came out I had my dad had a harder time I think than my mom did um but you know they both now go to drag shows and all that stuff but um and uh yeah I, I don't I don't know I found it pretty like realistic what did you think yeah no I think it is I mean I really I think that the mother's reactions are very realistic in the sense that like, she's not outrightly angry. She's not even angry. I would just say she's worried for her son in this relationship. She kind of, um, 
doesn't want him to grow into adulthood yeah. and like um wants to protect him and like i really feel she continues to speak to like how my mom reacted which was more i'm scared how people yes. are going to treat you yes. like i yes. love that you know you are who you are but like i just have to process this and it wasn't about my mom being homophobic it's just she's trying to nurture protect Mm -hmm. And you can't control the outside environment. That's the unfortunate part. But like now, my mom goes to Pride Parades. She's been to Fire Island. I mean, my mom is like so supportive and my dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, my dad, what was interesting is he was kind of more silent, like oh, yeah. supportive. He was uh, supportive, but didn't know what to say. So he kind of. Yeah was just like watching the scene unfold. Um, but I do feel like the father, I mean, what do you say though? Like a lot of times there's a stereotype that the mom is accepting and the father um, is scared slash even um, has more homophobia when a child comes out. I feel like that's the scenario we get in pop culture. It is. Yeah, I think that's a common trope. And I'm just thinking, like, I know, like, Glee, I watched Glee not till the end. Oh, but, yeah. Like, you know, with the, with Chris Crawford, isn't Crawford? Crawford, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, with his parents. This one, I feel like the response from the dad about AIDS immediately, that was a common response. Like, that was what mine, they was like, you just, you have to be yourself, but you need to watch out for the AIDS too, you know, that type of thing. And I think, for that time and for the time that they grew up, like they were seeing all of that. And so I feel, I feel like that was a pretty common reaction and realistic reaction as well, too. I don't, you know, I, I kind of tend to agree because like what you're saying, like this trope of the mother who understands and the dad who who takes it. Okay, so the car wreck too, that that's dramatic. That was like over the top. Well, that's like, like the hyper dramatic is like, even if the father, but the father really like, he doesn't know how to process that his son is gay, but he's yeah. not really acting out. I feel like he projects, basically they're interpreting that his internalized homophobia of the father is projected onto Brian as a scapegoat. Like, oh, this older man is a pedophile and taking advantage of you. Almost yeah. as if Brian Kinney is a, pet is a groomer to Justin. Almost, yeah. Like he corrupted our son a la picture of Dorian Gray. And we're going, I'm going to seek vengeance for you, Justin, so we can save your soul. Or I don't know. It was, it was interesting. I mean, but like that the father went into a car wreck and didn't just confront Brian. I mean, yeah, that I, wasn't realistic in my opinion. Yeah, I, it, that was just so, and you know, but like it makes for good TV, right? Good yeah. TV. Right. Like it's you want to see him like get into it and like, you know, some drama there. And so and I could see, you know, I could see something like I mean, it's I guess it's better than hitting him with a baseball bat, you know, and out like, you know, like it's yeah. it's aggressive, but maybe yeah. not over the top, too over the top. Yeah. Um well, and their fight isn't done yet. Like the father comes back again. I can't, I can't remember. I it's been so long since I've watched it, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, wow. Um I did find the scene after that when they're all at the house dancing and stuff. And that's when um, Michael and the doctor chiropractor get back. Mm -hmm. And I just, 
I don't know. Michael, I find redeeming, but I also find like, I just want to shake him and be like, stop, stop it. Like, you know, like he's just on Brian's all the time. Like, he's well, he can't get over, not even get over. I mean, I think it's beautiful to have what I love about this show is it shows us the complexity of manhood. And we don't get shows really like, right. Okay. You know, people could say, but Andrew, there's the Bechdel test. Men are always talked about on TV. And I get all that. But we don't get the nuances of male emotion on TV that much. Mm -hmm. Like where they actually are vulnerable or crying or like, how am I going to handle this obstacle? And I feel like it's so beautiful to see these gay men show all these complexities. Um, And like, I think it's beautiful that. Yeah, yeah. And show a little ass too, because there was ass all up in this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot is of that. Ass. A th- like that was groundbreaking, I would think back then. Yeah, right. But what's interesting I mean, is people make a big deal out of that from Fifty Shades of Grey and Bridgerton, and I'm like, that's been happening in queerest folks since that show premiered. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Even Sex in the City movies. Um, do you remember in Sex in the City? I remember the first movie. There's that like, um. A Latino actor who's like taking a shower with Samantha watching. I've never seen those. Movies. You don't, don't. You've never seen it. Okay. Don't take away but my gay like, card. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a very. Um, it was like a much talked about scene from it. But no, I might no. That's yeah, yeah. It. So, I think that like Michael and Brian's friendship, I find so beautiful. But at the same time, I do as a viewer, like I think it's beautiful that you could experience that friendship. But I sure. also feel like they're each holding each other back. Yes. To not loosen the reins a little. Like, I feel like they've become codependent, right? I mean, that's our title here is they're codependent to each other's detriment. Like they're not lifting each other up. They're kind of, what do they say about people who are addicted to drama and toxicity? Like they have to continue to seek out those friendships. Like they need people who also are toxic or like, Trauma bonding. Trauma. Oh, bonding. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, and, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think they are trauma bonding in a way. Um, I think so, too. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm so excited to shout out the Gay and Lesbian Review, who is helping to sponsor the ITBR podcast. For all of you out there, The Gay and Lesbian Review is a bi-monthly magazine where you can discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture. And the GL Review publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and their popular art memo column. Each issue of the magazine brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme. For example, their September-October issue centers on the theme Cracking the Closet. So, starting the 19th century, a number of artists and writers found ways to crack the closet by expressing their sexuality between the lines or in the interstices of their work. For example, Ignacio Darnad, who is a friend of the ITBR podcast, he's been on our show, 
writes all about illustrator J.C. Leyendecker, whose work for Ivory Soap and Arrow Collars gave him plenty of opportunities to draw pictures of well-dressed and at times scantily dressed American men. And you also can find an article by Vernon Rosario, who has been on the podcast, and he talks about the quest for sex in the Middle Ages. So to subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Click subscribe. So on their website, go all the way over to the right-hand side, and you'll see the button subscribe. Click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR50 because you're getting 50% off your subscription to the print or digital edition of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine. I can't wait for you all to have your copy of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine and make sure that you take a picture when your magazine arrives or when you're reading it online and tag the GL Review on Instagram and ITBR and we'll share it out in our stories. Enjoy your reading, everyone. Happy winter. Happy holidays. I hope you all are merry and bright out there. I am here in Port Jefferson, New York on Long Island in one of my favorite stores. It is the Soapbox NY, a bath and body boutique. I'm here with one of the co-owners, Janine. Hi, Janine. Happy holidays. Hi, Andrew. How are you? Thank you. Good. So I know you have many winter scents to walk us through. So let's yes. get started because there's a lot to talk about and it's exciting so what is this that i'm holding this is a hand wash by one of our favorite companies greenwich bay uh, it's a gingerbread scent which is wonderful very christmasy very holiday-ish and you can follow it up by using greenwich bay's lotion is a hand and body lotion and to keep with that gingerbread scent is a um, sugar whip scrub it's a body scrub that you could use in the shower and it's by a company called primal elements and it's something I'm actually using currently. And I said to Janine, and she always laughs, uh, that I really feel like I'm in Santa's bakery. So, oh, it is so yummy. It's, good. it's a good one. And then, what are these adorable little yep. soap gifts? Jumping back to Greenwich Bay, this is a great little grab-and-go gift. Uh, great for a stocking stuffer. There are mini soaps by Greenwich Bay, and it just gives you a little sample of some of their mini soaps to try. Ooh, peppermint, yeah. mistletoe, holly. Yeah, it's wonderful. Cranberry. Yeah, and there's some um, red in there too. And then what is this room spray? This is from company Michelle Design Works, another one of our favorites. Room spray that you can use any room in your house, just kind of freshens up the room a bit. And then what is this by Michelle Design Also Works? by Michelle Design Works is Winter Blooms, one of their new scents this holiday season. It's great. It's um, a hand wash. You can use it in your kitchen or your bathroom. And then here's and something to follow it up with. Exactly. It's a hand and body lotion. And then what is this beautiful decorative candle here? One of our favorites that we actually sell mm. all year round because it's so popular. This is the scent of Fraser Fur by Times. I think I'm becoming addicted to it. Yes. I think you are because you already own one, I believe. I own one and it is a decorative candle for me because I'm about to open it, but it's just in such I know the a beautiful is, package. I don't know what's better, the packaging or the scent. I'm using it wonderful. as a holiday decoration. So cool. I'll get to the candle eventually, Thank everyone. You but it's wonderful because with Times and their Fraser fur, not only do they carry the candles, but they also make it in the sense in the diffuser, in soap, the hand lotion, the um, the hand soap. It's just a great line and a great sense. We're going to be Fraser furred 
uh, crazed this holiday season. I love it. And then what are these so adorable pajamas? My friends next to me, uh, a company called Hello Mellow. But these pajamas are so comfy. We have the t-shirts with the pajama pants. These happen to be the nutcrackers. One of my favorite this holiday season. And then they have the night shirts too. And they're so comfy. And it says, oh, what What fun fun. with the little Santa hat. Yes. And we have others as well. So Janine, how can everyone out there get their hands on your hand and body and even pajama products? Well, we'd be more than happy to see you in our shop. We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson Village. You could always call us to place an order. We're happy to ship to you. Our phone number is 631-509-1424. You can place an order on our website, soapboxny.com. And you could also find us on Instagram or TikTok at the soapboxny. So many options. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for all of you out there to just enjoy what I love so much about the Soapbox NY. So with that, thank you so much. Happy winter, everyone. And this is going to keep you all, especially in the Northeast, merry and cheery with our cold, dark days. Yes, I know they're coming, unfortunately, but we'll survive. But this will get you that pep in your your spirits. Exactly. There we go. Happy holidays. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities, mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport. And what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture. In the spring, I had on Drs. Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts. And then in the winter, I had on Dr. Dr. Jeffrey Weinstock. He talked about analyzing pop culture. Yes, I even sneak in some Real Housewives questions. And how to teach composition and make it fun. He uses this whole metaphor about being a mad scientist in this gothic lab. And in the fall, I had on Dr. Ann Stevens, and she talked about literary theory and criticism. And yes, the university season is upon us. So What better way to talk about the college classroom than to actually understand what is literary theory? That's a wonderful episode for all of you out there who teach literary studies. I love Broadview Press. Make sure you use their exclusive code. It's Ivory Tower on broadviewpress.com. You get 20% off all, all Broadview Press publications. Okay, until the next Broadview Press interview. And now back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, in the, if we want to go to the cottage scene too, I just thought that that was lovely. That was like a little queer. Oh, so beautiful. This like log cabin. It reminded me of Boy Scout camping. I'm like the smell of the crisp leaves. That's what I love about the fall here is like just that it reminds me of like being outside of 
among the fire pit. But like Michael can't be in the moment. Like he's not even able to enjoy being with his boyfriend, like a very new boyfriend who took him to the, a cabin. Oh, his cabin that he built by his hands too. Like, come on now. I'll be like, I just want to reach the TV. I'm like, enjoy your time in that cabin. Yeah. Um, it also like to go, go swimming and all that stuff too. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I mean, it was just like a little oasis, but I do find, you know, if we're, oh God, am I really going to talk about this? But if we talk about like Foucault, like power dynamics in this show is really fascinating to see who holds the power and where it goes and how. You know, yeah. like we talked about Brian and Justin earlier. I mean, Michael and the doctor, the doctor's not really grooming Michael, but like he's definitely like a um, sugar daddy a little bit to him. I, I feel like, I don't know. Well, I think he definitely likes the arm candy. Um, yeah, that he can manipulate Michael easily. Or I think he thinks he think he thinks he can manipulate him, but Michael's definitely gonna give him a run for his money. And yeah. well, I do have to say though, the way Michael responded to finding out that the doctor David had an ex-wife and children was a little surprising to me because I'm thinking like this is not necessarily like David is still uncomfortable in the gay community like yes. i'm not surprised because like mm -hmm. the writing's on the wall he doesn't really know what to do at the babylon nightclub right remember yeah. when he says that remark about i got so nervous when those men were cruising us Wait, there was, was like that... yeah no was that no, a... go ahead i think that was i have to see where i wrote that down oh at the diner oh yeah like okay. in the beginning of the episode, there's yes, like these yes. men who are kind of just giving him locking eyes. That was it. It wasn't like they were fondling his balls, but I don't know. Um, but at the same time, that's the thing is he's kind of like prudish, but also sexual. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty like, I was like with the scene with him and um, Brian, David and Brian, remember when he goes up and he's like, I open his face and then he kind of like tells him off. Which is kind of like, you know, interesting too, to see like that aggression there shift from like sexual tension to like just flat out aggression. So um, yeah, I found that fast. I mean, if we're looking at ideas of masculinity there too, like there's a clear shift when you're like, oh, it's like, oh, damn. Um, well, and it feels very, in my opinion, that connection to like straight manhood where yes. it's like, you're not going to take you're not going to get my girl like, yeah. but in this case, yeah. it's like my guy, but it's that same kind of dynamic. Right. I mean, Brian and David could be fighting over a girl. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, right? Like, totally. I just think what if Brian, that was his best friend was a girl and the girl's waiting for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that would play out. I did miss. It's a Teddy and Emmett. Emmett's the, the, one in the fishnets behind you, I think, right? And yeah, Teddy yeah. Is Emmett is the one who's like goes in the suds. Yeah, Ted yeah. is the uh, computer analyst, like and more nerdy character. Yeah. He's the one that gets not to give too much away, but he gets into the porn industry at some point. Yeah, Ted. eventually. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. With those are way down, way down the line too. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I liked their characters. I kind of missed having them in there because. You know, I think they, like you talk about different perspectives of masculinity. I mean, we're all across the spectrum here. Like, you know, Emmett is a bit more femme. Ted is like more withdrawn. You know, we kind of 
and I'm sure people have written about this already, but like, you know, we see a lot of, of that. And then, you know, we also have the lesbian couple too, which I think was kind of groundbreaking for the time as well too, especially oh, since yeah. they're having, you know, all of that. So. Yeah. And yeah, like another section that I thought I have to ask what Travis thought about this was the lady and the tramp scenario when Michael, actually David agrees to go to dinner with um Debbie, Michael's mom. And Michael's uh, like, no, no, we have plans. And then David's like, no, no, we're going to go. And that's where I enjoy that David jumped in to like be with the family yeah. and was um willing to participate. Um, But like, this is where I feel David, I question his motives in the sense that like he's so willing to play up this romance, like even in yeah. front of Michael's mom, like, yeah, yeah. like we'll reenact the spaghetti scenario and Lady and the Tramp. Like, I feel he kind of is putting on a show all the time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But mm -hmm. you can tell, right, if he's not in control of the scenario, like he's in control of the Oasis. So like, it's fine that they're you know, bathing nude, or it's fine yeah. that they're naked and having a picnic. But like, um, how dare Brian like spend time with Michael at Michael's house or like in Babylon? Like then I feel once Michael is deciding to do his own thing, David's not okay with it. Yes. No, I agree. Yeah. That's interesting. I never, I mean, I, I know that sort of where this goes, where the relationship goes, but yeah, you do see a lot of that. And I didn't even think about that. Um, yeah, that's, the, I just, I mean, I don't know. It's a little too much for me, like the spaghetti thing. And then he goes, they go upstairs and they start making out and his mom's like hollering through the wall at him. I'm like, what, in the, what is going on right now? Like, what the fuck? You mean <laughs> you wouldn't crazy. want your parents to hear you oh, God, pounding go. away? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> absolutely yeah. not yeah no, no, no. Um, that's so funny i love her the the debbie the actress who plays her um oh, by Sharon. the way yeah, yeah yeah side note have you seen the exorcist show on fx no mm -mm. Oh, she's in it it is one of the scariest besides the first season of american horror story which i think is good and scary but the exorcist she's in it and it is it is legit like frightening i think it's on maybe hulu but yeah oh my god because okay. i just yeah. saw we just did a whole new episode about the exorcist beginner or no the exorcist oh. believer sorry believer. yeah i want to need to go see that yeah i yeah, loved yeah, yeah. it yeah yeah okay. okay so i have to watch this okay you you're yeah. adding another oh that's what i wanted to say to you queer as folk like um because i'm doing this with so many guests it's like making me more aware of just what's on TV right now. Like, and we really don't have a lot of queer narratives. I would say the last show that really hit a register for me was Pose. Um, yeah. Which I loved. Um, Ryan Murphy did a good job with that. Okay. But uh, good. Um, um, I just yeah. finished Sex Education. That was close. Have you seen that? I liked the first season and then I kind of started, I don't know. I can't do high school narratives anymore. I'm getting... Like there was like too much saturation. And then I kind of feel odd like of how open they are. I was like, I saw Euphoria, which definitely. Oh pushed. God. It was basically this generation's Degrassi, the next generation. Yes. Um, so like I want to rewatch Degrassi because I feel like that show 
hit all these narratives. Um, but yeah, I, I was gonna say though, do you do you like the new season of Sex Education? I did. It's it's interesting the way it takes a turn because it starts to embrace. I mean, these are kids like my student or folks my students' age and younger. I feel like. And it really embraces like their queerness and especially the last, I mean, the last season, the last few episodes, like there's a trans character, there's a non-binary character, they struggle with their identity. They're like, you know, they're um, queer characters on there in other different ways. And I felt like, you know, yeah, I was in high school too. Um, but maybe that show, I don't, I can't think of any, I mean, like as far as like adult dramas like poses there's a new one now that i'm really excited about well i might have to have you back if we both watch it travis if we like it yeah yeah Um, what is it but it's called fellow travelers on Mm -hmm. max with matt bomer and jonathan bailey i've heard about this yeah yeah um, that looks good yeah jason howard i don't know if you know his work he does uh, he's from kentucky um, he's the husband of Silas House. Um, Jason does a lot of anyway, he recommended that it was based on a book too that, that he said was really good. Um, what about looking? That's kind of came close to this. Oh, I you loved looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. It was great. Such and then the movie. Well, and we even got like a cameo with um Daniel Francesi from Mean Girls, who was Damien. Oh, yeah. Remember he was in that show. Um, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. I know Jonathan Groff. Wasn't Jonathan Groff in that show? I'm trying to. Remember. Oh yeah, yeah, he was the main yeah. character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of Broadway people. Um, like theater people were in that show. But yeah, yeah, I'll have to keep my eye on. We might, you know what? I might have to do like an LGBTQ, like TV, recap with you. Um, I'll have <laughs> to see what else. I'm sure there's something else out right now. I just. Again, I thought Bridgerton was going to be like all about the brother and his like queer artistic community. Remember, yes, there was like yeah, that man who was, um, you know, into men and women. I, I don't yep. want to say bi because like there was no bisexual category then. Yeah. Um, but like there was a lot of openness around sexuality. But then I heard they went with this. They went with like this other. um Penelope storyline and I'm like okay yeah yeah uh, don't be they afraid just don't know what to do I think they're the like worried about what to do but whatever um, I mean stuff is out so much on TV now I mean you know it's just it's getting it's getting more and more queer I feel like as well and now because of shows like Queer as Folk like I think yeah. they push a lot of boundaries well and I always feel like it's unfair when like I've all for representation, but I do get annoyed when like they'll take a show like Queer as Folk and say, but where was this character and that character and that character? And I'm thinking like first, this was the like to even have a whole cast where their narratives are centered on, you know, being out mm-hmm. is groundbreaking. And also, you know, they had to like approve the studio had to approve it, Showtime, um, and I also feel like our language around sexuality was so different in the early oh, yeah. 2000s. Totally. Absolutely. And it's funny because when I, so I probably watched this in, oh, I got to Boone in 04. I probably watched it in 06, 07. So it had been out for a while. And so language, like the 
sort of, I mean, RuPaul's, the drag race was coming out and like we were getting a lot of language from that. It was just kind of this boom of stuff that was happening. Glee was on too. You know, I don't know why I keep mentioning that, but like, you know, that was one of the things that I, you know, liked and that we enjoyed watching together. Speaking of high school stuff, like it was all high school, but, um, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting that even the terminology now, if we watch Drag Race or watch something else, like it's even so different. I mean, even on sex education, you know, that's pretty like woke or whatever, you know, I can't believe I use that word either, but, um, but yeah, it's just the language is so, the vernacular is different. Yeah, well, and then, like, another storyline I have to ask you about is um, the Chris Hobbs situation, because um, the way he acts out towards Justin in the locker room, like, do you feel that this is already setting up that Chris doesn't know how to deal with his attraction to men and, like, Justin giving him a hand job and he's like oh i know what i'm gonna do i'm going to assert my dominance that i'm straight by you know calling justin all the names in the book and being like you're a fudge packer first of all i hadn't heard that like term fudge packer in a long time uh, <laughs> but <laughs> like you know how do you interpret what chris is going like what he's doing to justin i mean it's I think he's coming to terms with what he's going through and that he's literally mentally and physically fighting against it uh, in several ways like that. I knew people like that growing up. Like, you know, I think that that scene was really, truly realistic as well. Um, And I mean, you know, like growing up myself, like Pierce Sears, left is right, right is wrong. Right. Like I heard that growing up. If you had a nipple pierce, I can't even imagine like, you know, back back then. So um, also that was a big fucking nipple pierce too they put in there i was like oh god that scene uh but uh um, yeah why did just why do you think justin decided to get a nipple piercing i do you think he's trying to like impress brian i guess maybe i don't i mean this could also be him embracing like the culture of you know queer culture i guess mm-hmm. i don't know i mean he's starting out i mean i think a lot of us starting out there's the different stages of coming out. I don't have to tell you this, but like, you know, sometimes you just embrace it all and just go to the wind with everything. So maybe that was it. Um, yeah, I found that. I know really what inter- phrase you were going to say. You were, you were about to say balls to the wall. <laughs> but then like in this context, there literally could be balls to the wall. Um, I was trying to keep it classy. Come on now, Andrew. Well, I was going to say, we don't have to be too classy here. We're not at high tea. Um, but yeah. No, but Chris, I mean, definitely. I I feel that even though there's campy moments of this show, yeah. right? Or yeah. even the car crash yes, yes, aspect, yes. you know, there has to be some soap opera elements. But yeah. also, it is so realistic. Like, the characters feel their experiences they must have drawn on the writing team from real life like Mm -hmm. i i'd love to ask the writing team how they found material like did they conduct interviews did the cast who was out go a la chorus line and give monologues about their experience i mean i'd really like to know that because i'm not sure the answer but i know that chris hobbs character like i know that man who was 
so scared that he was interested in guys that he had to be the bully and like, Mm -hmm. you know, out other gay men or out those who were queer to assert his like, you know, football dominance. Um, But he definitely is into Justin. I mean, there's no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're like the, what makes this, show really good like you were just saying too Andrew is that it's we recognize and I think I said this earlier too but we recognize all of these characters I mean like when I was with the Justin that I dated he was very much like just that he wasn't in high school he was in college but like he was very kind of innocent had just come out of the closet had just like you know was getting to know himself those types of things I I think we see these characters become we see like glimmers of realism and glimmers of folks if not us than other people in our lives um who did the same thing like i mean i knew somebody in louisville that was like brian he was like such a asshole but like we all loved him because we knew that's what he did so um yeah i i I love that i I think the writing and it's interesting because the writing does ebb and flow a little bit it's not always so good but (laughs) but generally it is Imagine that you're riding the Turner Classic movie, Great Movie Ride, in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the Great Movie Ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz, where all of a sudden you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkinland in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, that's the memory I have with the Great Movie Ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly. The list can go on and on and on. So follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queer as Folk podcast, where I'm re-watching every episode of Queer as Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi-weekly. So make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash, where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Happy almost holiday season. Because the holidays are upon us, I'm sure so many of you out there are thinking, oh my, what am I going to get my friends, my family, my children, my romantic partner, my husband, my wife, any, you know, significant person in your life. Look no further than my good friend, Mandy Bangle, who makes handmade crocheted items. Her company is called Mandy Made It. You can follow her on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E Made It. And you will see all of these crocheted items that she's going to be able to customize for you, including special characters, sports team figures, even holiday items like a snowflake or a Christmas tree. 
So I have Mandy's keychains. I have the poison apple from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I have a rainbow um, flag that she made me. So Mandy is able to really customize an order just depending on what your hobbies and passions are and, you know, what item you're really looking for. So because you're listening to me talk about Mandy, she said that anyone who goes to Mandy Made It on Instagram and orders from her and they've heard the Ivory Tower Boiler Room ad, she will give you all a free Ivory Tower Boiler Room t-shirt with your order. So head right now to Mandy Made It. You know, if you were really looking for that special gift, now you don't have to look any further because I have you covered with Mandy Made It. Okay, I hope you all enjoy your items from Mandy Mated. And please make sure that you take a photo of your crocheted items so that we can share it out on our social media. I know Mandy would love that, and I would love to see what you all are ordering from her. She even has an adorable pillow called Netflix and Chill, and she has these cute coasters that she crochets for your favorite coffee or tea mug. So enjoy all your Mandy Mated products. Yes, the first season, you know, it has hit its mark. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, okay. So, like, as we're wrapping up, which yeah. this went by so quick. I, I mean, I have, I have written here something about, oh, yeah, Brian, I did have to ask you, like, the outdated technology with the, like, <laughs> sexual chatting. And he's like... Oh, 10 inch cock. Like some guy was writing that he has a 10 inch cock. And I'm like, to re remember, like, even though Brian is the Casanova that he like would trust this guy to come to his place. I'm like, huh. He must really um, be gullible or, you know, Brian really does let his cock talk for him because I forgot that like that is what the technology was like to meet up with random strangers i mean you didn't really know anything about them i i was that was a little i was well i didn't come out till i was like 26 so like i didn't go through i mean i had the aol chat things or whatever but i love i never had those but it's you know it's absolutely true that's what they happened i was i was laughing too because of the cell phones just like killed me they were like <laughs> like flip phones it was a, and which was my first cell phone it was like that i had to I had to screw on the damn antenna yeah. so so funny but yeah that was just cackling i was like oh my god what the hell are they talking on um and the fact yeah. that they had them too not everybody had those so it's true yeah well and i love though like that he doesn't know that it's justin's father and he's like saying all these sexual things to the father uh <laughs> I don't know. I mean, but the father is also poking the bear. I mean, who's going to, yeah. like, that he doesn't even say, hey, this is Justin's father. Like, he's not even ready to have an adult conversation. No. And that, you know, I mean, Justin's what's supposed to be 18, 19? Is he even that old? He's 17. He's 17? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's might be some realism there, too. Like, he's having his teenager moment, but it is, it's over. Not overplay, but kind of overblown, I feel like. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I think if a... my parents knew that 
I was with two men in their 30s when I was 17. I don't think my parents would have enjoyed talking to those men. No, mine either. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they would have not hit, hit these, hit the cars of the men, but they might have like threatened legal. Yeah, yeah. You know, cases. Even though when you're 17, you are in that murky period because you are consenting, you know. Um, yeah, very much yeah. so. And Justin knows exactly what he's doing. Like, that's where... I relate to Justin at his age. Like I was kind of like a Justin pushing the boundaries, really? like kind of giving it to my parents, um, but always dotting my I's and crossing my T's like schoolwork, like everything else was on point, but it's like, okay, if I am going to be a rebel, I can do it with coming out as gay. Yeah. Yeah. As long as uh, everything else is taken care of. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Justin's like that. I can see that too. Yeah. He knows he's like in very well in control of his life to a certain extent. I think so too. But I do think that that's a sort of rebellious. I was a quiet kid in high school, by the way. It took me until high school to actually open up. So I like did everything. Everything. I was like just kind of the schemer in the back of the classroom (laughs) until about junior, senior year, honestly. Um, But uh, so yeah, it's, uh, but I knew folks like that, you know um yeah yeah i like i think his character i mean in the progression of that character all of them really progress in different ways um that are interesting but i think justin has the um best chance of an arc just because of his age and like what he can go through in life stages that like what randy harrison does with the character is beautiful i mean Mm -hmm. He's my favorite, probably my favorite actor out of the men is Randy mm-hmm. Harrison. Um, and he's the youngest. Like, he does such a great job. Um, but also, I do think Brian, I, I have a, like, a love-hate relationship with Brian because I feel like Brian is a teddy bear, really, when it comes down to his friends. He yeah. just has to have coping defense mechanisms like because again we don't know what brian went through yet in the show and like when we find out what he went through with his childhood it's really dark yeah but you can kind of tell he yeah did not have a healthy childhood he's dark Um, and stormy like they say on Grey's anatomy (laughs) yeah yeah but i love how like even david says what is it about this brian why is he attracting all these men like people just can't oh he asked doesn't he ask does he ask melanie that i forget yeah might have been the, the yeah 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 Yeah, remember they're outside of his apartment and she goes out to meet him before he gets in the elevator and that's where the conversation has happens yeah yeah it's so interesting yeah. yeah i mean i don't exactly see what everyone else you know why they're fawning over him but I just think like you have to have some kind of ringleader like that in the gay nightclub. Um, But I do feel like Brian would always say hi to someone. Like, I don't think, I don't think he's too arrogant. He's kind of like on the, he knows how to play it when he needs to. Yeah. 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 I agree. He could be uppity, but he's not like, He's going to say, yeah, like you said, he's going to say hello to people as well, too. Yeah. He's like sort of a social chameleon. He can shift into different ways, of that, I feel like, as well. Yeah. Well, he's not going to ignore Debbie. Like, he's very respectful to very. um, 
like Debbie to, well, that was his mother, basically. Mm -hmm. um, right. We figured that out eventually. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm just looking here. I feel like we hit almost everything I wrote down, um, you know, in all these different ways. Oh, um, I don't know why I wrote this down, but I said, um, where is it? Oh, right here. Something about um, Brian can't handle. Yes, yes, yes. This is the last part I wanted to get your opinion on is why can Brian not handle being at studs and suds? Like that was interesting. Yeah. Is he had to leave. Like, was that because Michael wasn't there as his like partner in crime? Like he's the Batman and Michael's the Robin and he needed his partner. I thought that was interesting too. So he couldn't exist without his partner or was he just like, <laughs> like us that's that's gross that's for that's for the young gays they can go hop in the in, in this in the soup of the foam i mean it could be that too because i just think like you know especially when i was in louisville they would do parties like that and um you know some would go and some would be like oh i'll sit by the edge and watch like it's fine so um you know be a voyeur no <laughs> yeah yeah and then i have written down here i'm trying to remember but it might not have been that memorable but something about a guy that brian had sex with at the baths oh i can't remember that part i'm i can remember a piece of it that i don't know yeah well I, I don't know apparently before brian's car was rammed into um Oh, maybe it was someone at the Babylon nightclub. Who... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember that now because he talks to him outside. It's the guy outside um, the car and Brian just kind of like um, disregards him. And the guy's like kind of, he's just. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Because remember... he's, wait, yeah. sorry. He's the one who Brian thinks hits him with the car. Yes. Yes. He's exactly. like, oh, I rejected this guy who I had sex with. So he decided to exact revenge and hit me with well, his car. car. I'm like, but what's a better scenario that it was um, an out of control lover or Justin's father hitting him with his car? I mean, they're pretty equal. I feel like both high drama. Yeah. I mean, here wait, don't worry about me. I'm just plugging my laptop in. But okay. uh, so yeah, I mean, do you feel like in that scenario, the way that Brian, I feel the way Brian treats his lovers, like, that's where I see the disrespect. Like, that's where I see that he takes advantage of those he has sex with, but yeah. not like those who have um, taken his him under their wing like debbie or even Lindsay. like there's yeah. a really different relationship um so why is that like why is he so quick to put down men he's had anonymous sex with do we feel like is i feel like i mean like you talked about earlier that these people really helped to raise him and these people are going to be on like brutally honest with him too and i feel like he can take the feedback from them but not you know, someone that he doesn't know as well, someone not in his inner circle of folks, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. That's maybe how I see that. And, you know, I don't I don't know why. I don't well, I guess like his past makes him sort of an asshole the way he is, but um 
I don't know. Is he using sex as a coping mechanism? I'd say in a lot of ways, yeah. You know? Yeah. I feel uh, like that's his therapy, and that's the problem. (laughs) Right, because, like, you know how many people, like, will say that there's a sex addiction? I don't know. I get very... um, There's so many different theories about that. Like, I know psychiatrists say there really isn't a sex addiction, but, like, people turn to sex for almost... Um, like it's an activity they'll use to mask, like yeah. say if they have depression or if sure. they, you know, have underlying, um, underlying mental illness or I don't know, like it's, sure. it's a coping mechanism. And I kind of feel Brian is starting to, I'm starting to see signs of that. Like really what's under this layer because. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I I totally agree that, you know, I think we start to see what's beneath and why he's codependent too on um, Michael. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the series is at the like beginning episodes. It is really addictive. Like I want to quickly learn all of these storylines. I'm like, okay, I want more. Tell me more. Like that's, I can remember being, feeling the same way about looking too. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. I think, you know, is that because we have such a, <laughs> this is a great word to use, but a thirst for these storylines? Like, is that because we don't have enough of those in our lives right now that we really, mm-hmm. once they come out, you want to watch them all, you know, or make them last, you know? So um, I don't know. I wonder if that's why. Yeah. Well, that's a good transition. When I have you back, Travis, first, like <laughs> I need to, Learn more about your Dolly Parton work. No, uh, I'm not going to push you on that. But we'll have to see. Okay, so there's Fellow Travelers. Like you said, it's by Thomas Mallon, wrote the yeah. novel um, in 2007. Okay, that's pretty early. That's around mm-hmm. the time of Call Me By Your Name. That was written in 2008. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, because that's when I came out. I was after reading Call Me By Your Name. It made me come out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was groomed by Andre Osman. No, oh I don't want that out there. Um, <laughs> the love, the right one will have a field day with that. No, but it gave me like that extra boost of wanting to come out. Um, yeah. Healing scene, I'll say it that way. Um, but yes, it's a historical novel about two men who embark on an affair during the McCarthy era. Okay. No. Uh, oh, and actually, oh, it's on Showtime, but that's why I, it's on my radar because that's where Queer is Focus um Uh playing is on showtime um okay so that's out there's also um something that's on my radar which is uh down low that movie i think it's a movie with zach quinto and lucas gage i don't know is it a movie it's a movie i think yeah oh okay yeah did yeah, that look yeah. in- interesting to you, Travis? Yeah, I I actually don't know if I've seen a lot about this, but I remember seeing something about it. Yeah, it looks cool. Judith Light's oh. in it. Wow. Oh, okay. Oh, I love Judith Light. Yeah, um. She's... Oh, and then Strange Way of Life, the Pedro Almodovar short film with um Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke. Oh. It says it's a queer Western drama. Mm. Oh, that's up your alley. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, this is it looks fun. Yeah, how do I miss all these? They look great. I mean, I'm on the advocate website for October. So <laughs> but see, um, that's the thing is I feel like you have to go to one of these niche websites, not not the advocates niche, but you have to go to like an LGBTQ specific website because yeah. it's not always all together in the mainstream. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Sometimes you just have to find uh I mean, I think the advocate and out magazine like do a good job of like sort of I mean, I see stuff come up and also following each other on social media too. Like you're you have a lot of great recommendations of what was it, Lavender House that I that you're the writer that you had on here. Oh yeah, by Love Risen. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It was great. I I listened to that book and several other things that I've caught, you know, sort of in the like Silas House and Jason read a lot and I follow them. And um so it's been it's, it's kind of how I pick up on a lot of stuff besides out and at the advocate, which I still get, you know, and they still put it in like a little paper, like it's a porn magazine or something. <laughs> like, okay, I live by myself. People can see that I got the out magazine. Yeah. Well, it's why I love um, that the gay and lesbian review. Yes. Yeah. Sponsors like sponsors us, but is also like part of our, um, zeitgeist is because they always have reviews too of tv and film so like that's another good place is to go to the gay and lesbian review yes um, everyone gets 50 percent off <laughs> if you use our code <laughs> yeah yeah um in the show notes okay but you do subscribe travis i do yeah i did because of the all because of like oh that's great oh my yeah, god yeah, I, I used to read it. I mean, I did used it for my I took a queer theory class when I was at Louisville and we used it as scholarship, you know, but but yeah, I was like, why am I not getting this? Like, you know, so. So, yeah, it's fun. That and that. Oh, good. I'll have to like, you know, I'll make sure that I clip this out and share it with uh, Stephen and Richard at the Gay and Lesbian Review. OK. But um. Okay, I think that that's we hit a lot. So we, we definitely did, have yeah. like more TV and film to watch. Um, yeah. But I can't wait to see the fellow travelers. Like that's my, you know, I have a feeling that I'm going to enjoy them just because I like those actors a lot. I think so too. I'm going to look it up, and I think I still have. Uh, I think I still have Showtime. Well, anyway. I definitely have Max. Oh no, that's on Showtime. Sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. I know it's so hard to keep track of these streaming services. Like the only one I don't have is Apple TV. And I'm just like, I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> I can't. I mean, the I only see. time I watched it was the morning show, the first season. Ooh, now the third one's out. I haven't caught it yet, but I think it's out. And um, Ted Lasso was really good. It's like just having a hug for like an hour. It was lovely. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want hugs. I want to be like pulled in a tug of war. <laughs> No, no, I'm just kidding. But Max, I'm excited because the new Gilded Age is coming out. And I love Oh, nice. I need to watch that. That's fun. I'm hoping there's like, oh, there is a queer character. Isn't the son? Yes. Okay. I think the son is, the son is interested in men. Also, we might have to do another episode about this to fall, talk about Fall the House of Usher. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm doing a special episode about it. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I know that that's pretty queer themed. Very. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. 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 yeah I, let me know when you watch it. Cause it's, it's, and I've having taken a whole seminar on Edgar Allan Poe, like it's fascinating what they do with the names, like Rufus Griswold's in there, which is like one of Poe's predecessors. And it's, it was really, really neat. It's, okay. Yeah. 
Well, I'm going to bring you back on like in the winter, Travis. Like I'll even get your hot takes on Fall of the House of Usher after our episode comes out. Maybe, you know, you'll have to, I have to keep you listening to the podcast No, but I appreciate all of your support. I love you being here. Um, yeah, thank you. And again, okay. everyone, you know, can get the Gay and Lesbian Review. Show Notes has our promo code. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just, I should know it. But I want to say it's just Ivory Tower. Um, but, you know, check the show notes. Uh, so, Travis, how can everyone find you on social media? You know, how can they see all the work you're doing, see your Dolly Parton fascination and obsession, all the things? So they can find me at Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called now um, at Travis A. Roundtree. And if they want to follow me, I love like, I don't even know any of this. If they follow me on Instagram, then I think it's just Travis Roundtree. Yeah, it's Travis Roundtree on Instagram. Um, yeah, you'll see my face that a friend of mine had this picture, this poet, like basically painting commissioned. And it's my face with a possum on my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. it works so, very well for your profile. So no. <laughs> uh, with you. Appalachian studies. I mean, hey. Uh, but, oh, promo code ITBR50 for Gay and Lesbian Review. There you go. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, Travis, this was great. I loved dissecting this episode. Like, everyone who comes on here, hopefully you felt this way. But there's something about just, like, having an episode you center on that opens up so many pathways of conversation. You're like, oh, I didn't know we we're going to talk about that, but okay. Yeah, that was great. I, I, uh, yeah, I love that. Looking at it, there's so many different things and that you can talk about. And hell, I even said Foucault. My God, <laughs> yeah, down that yeah. road. <laughs> but there's only a few TV shows you can do this with. Yes, very true. Very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I have so a few more in the pipeline. I'm curious. Let's just say, Desperate Housewives. <laughs> I would love to do that. Um, I just want to talk about Andrew. Like, I'm so obsessed with that character. Um, and Eva Longoria's character. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Iconic. Oh, very. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, thank you, Travis. Enjoy the rest of the fall into the winter, depending on when this comes out. Um, yeah. And bye to the audience. And I will be back on with another special surprise guest next time. Okay. Thanks, Travis. Thank you. Appreciate it.